It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We welcome you to a weekend edition of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. And yeah, normally we keep trying to get these out earlier on Friday, but the news simply never stops. Whether it's just regular football moves or the unfortunate sad news that we're all dealt with on Thursday night and confronted with... um, which was the cancer diagnosis publicly revealed of head coach Ron Rivera. In case you missed that, we had our instant reaction on our last episode of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. This, a new episode, will take you through and cover you as much as we can over the weekend uh, with the Washington players having Friday off. Uh, But there's, again, all sorts of news as we await a new practice week scheduled. Um, And you can follow me on Twitter at WrestleMania621, at WrestleMania621, and, of course, coverage at SI.com under Washington football, uh, SI.com slash NFL slash Washington for your latest there. And we'll, of course, have it all for you in the very next episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. All right, so uh, let's start with the news of the day, and it's it, it. This is not to diminish Ron Rivera and his cancer diagnosis, uh, because uh, we're not trying to do that. But there is a football team here, so we wanted to pass along to you what they have done in the interim since our last episode, and that is a couple of things. They waived injured. Rookie tight end Thaddeus Moss from LSU, of course, Randy Moss's son. Now, they had to open up a roster spot uh, because they worked out five different offensive linemen and they signed two of them. They also waived or cut, I think, uh, is the proper term, Kevin Pemphile, a veteran offensive tackle that they signed a couple of weeks ago, and they were clearly looking for an upgrade there because Sadiq Charles is dealing with a calf injury. I believe that was first reported by Ben Standig of The Athletic. He's going to be out for a little while longer. Don't know exactly how long, but clearly they are um, you know, trying to get it better and, and trying to take it slow, and they were already thin at left tackle because Cornelius Lucas, who played left tackle on Thursday, um, with... Uh, Jaron Christian getting the day off, Cornelius Lucas is not a left tackle. He's a right tackle and barely, barely, barely adequate, and I mean barely, at playing left tackle, right? Unless somebody has not seen what he can do at left tackle in his six-year NFL career. So they brought in on Friday tackle David Steinmetz, 
And they also signed former first-round San Francisco 49er guard Joshua Garnett. Let's get you a little something on Steinmetz. Uh, first of all, he's been with Miami in training camp last year, uh, also been with Houston, uh, doesn't have obviously a whole, you know, really much NFL experience, uh, six Five, six, six, uh, about 300 and uh, actually he's about six, seven, I should say, uh, about 305 pounds. Uh, so, you know, look, uh, what do you, you know, what, what are you looking to get? Uh, I, I mean, he's, he's basically, you know, a body that you hope can be kind of, you know, depth again, because of what they're dealing with. He clearly worked out the best. Uh, in their mind, over a couple of other tackle candidates who they had brought in. Uh, Steinmetz is 6'7", 305. Is, uh, I just want to make sure I got that right. Um, you know, again, he's been with Miami and Houston. So he's got a little bit of NFL experience. It's just, you know, like how how good could he be? Uh, he was undrafted. Uh, he played his college ball at Rhode Island, Purdue. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you strike lightning in a bottle. I don't know. But the bottom line is, is uh, they must have felt he was better or offered something that they wanted to see more than uh, Kevin Pamphile, right? Um, you know, again, they were hoping that Sadiq Charles would push Jaron Christian, and right now they don't have that at all. So it allows them to take a look at Steinmetz. Uh, clearly, he must have impressed them in the workout. Now you look at him, okay, how does he look in seven-on-sevens? How does he look in nine-on-nines? How does he look in 11-on-elevens? Because you can't judge him in the preseason. There is no preseason. And if he isn't what they're hoping, not what they're expecting, isn't what they're hoping, then you might have to hit the waiver wire and get yourself a veteran left tackle you know, everybody says, well, I'll just bring back Donald Penn. Yeah, the problem is, is this system's a little bit different, number one. And number two, I mean, Donald Penn, again, he was fine. He was okay last year. It wasn't great. It wasn't good. He was fine. He was adequate, right? He just wasn't a disaster. But he's also 30, what, six going on 37. You know, bodies just don't hold up that long in, in this sport. They just don't, Right? Not at that age, not at that physical of a position. So they're looking to get younger and have somebody hopefully develop. Um, so, you know, like you just, you, I'm, I'm sure what happened here is they had some sort of, you know, liking for him, Steinmetz, when he finished up his career at Purdue after graduating at Rhode Island and transferring there. Uh, they must have liked something about his tape. And, you know, of course, again, didn't draft him, uh, couldn't get him uh, for whatever reason, however it shook out. But then they're like, oh, okay, well, he's available and he works out okay. And we're going to take a flyer on him, see if we can make pasta stick, right? That's how these things work. Steinmetz is coming in and he, again, will take the roster spot essentially of Kevin Pamphile. Now, they have not made that move official. That was reported again by Standing. They did make the Thaddeus Moss, Moss waived injured move official. So here's the way that works, right? 
if he clears waivers, he'll revert back to the reserve slash injured list. But it's not an absolute sure thing that he will clear waivers. Especially if a team had, you know, say like a fifth round grade on him and they just, you know, they're, they're really short at tight end and they want to be patient with him and they want to give him a chance to get to develop. I, you know, I don't know, like they didn't give us any details on what exactly was wrong with him. We didn't really notice him in any sort of way, certainly no positive way in the three days of practice that we were able to see. Right. So we already knew, Okay, something is not clicking there. Uh, I didn't see this, but I guess one of the reporters, I forget who, uh, said that the tight ends coach, Pete Hohner, was or Hayner was yelling at him one day. So the bottom line is, is, you know, again, we don't know exactly what happened. We'll get hopefully some clarification on that uh, over the weekend. But the bottom line is, is they hope to get him back on IR. However, don't forget, in 2015, there was a sixth round pick named Tevin Mitchell, a corner from the University of Arkansas in Scott McLuhan's first draft. And they took him and then they waived, injured him um, with an injury designation, I should say, in the first week of August with a torn labrum. uh, And they tried to sneak him to IR and Indianapolis claimed him and they lost him. So they lost a sixth round pick, you know, which some people might scoff at, but semi-significant, especially in a th- on a 3-13 and 13 team or a rebuilding team, right? So, I mean, if they lose Thaddeus Moss, no, they didn't lose a draft pick, but they did lose somebody that they signed as a priority, a high-priority undrafted free agent. Maybe they'll get lucky and he'll clear. We'll find out you know, probably by Saturday evening, Sunday morning, that type of thing. Um so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. The other offensive lineman that they sign is Josh Garnett, former first-round pick 2016. Uh, remember, that was the Josh Doxson trade. Not, a, not a, a year, not a good draft for Josh's in the first round, uh, for sure. Uh, but Garnett's got 22 games of experience, 11 starts. He was with the Lions this offseason, bunch of injuries. Um, again, only played a very small amount for a first round pick granted he was the back end of the first round but certainly you want more out of first round picks he's not a tackle he's a guard uh and the bottom line is is you hope you get again a little lightning in the bottle now the one thing i thought of that i wonder is you know and and rivera and bryce love admitted to this on thursday you know they're running a very similar type scheme to how they ran uh, and what they did at Stanford. So I wonder, you know, because Garnett went to Stanford. So I wonder how much of that goes into the equation of, okay, can this guy fit in? Yeah, well, he can fit in because he's very familiar with this type of scheme, with this type of run system. So I wonder how much of that goes into uh, that. Or it's just he had the best workout out of the couple of guys uh, that they brought in. Again, they worked out a reported uh, five guys, but Garnett obviously was the favorite uh, all along. And then it was just pick your tackle, whichever one looked better. And they went with David Steinmetz. All right, just wrapping up this news and notes section. So we got you all the roster moves, at least for now all we can say is we wish ron the absolute best um it is beyond scary what he's dealing with Uh, i want to be you know very careful with 
um, you know, overstepping my boundaries here because I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in any sort of way, and I'll never claim to be. Uh, but Dr. David Chow, who I've had on the podcast here and was a longtime sideline physician for the then San Diego Chargers, I think 17 years now, you know, a little bit of controversy in his past. So I want to point that out. I understand that. I've read all. I don't know what exactly is true, what is not true. Here's what I know. He does medical analyst work, uh, real-time injury, medical analysis, uh, and, and a lot of media and a lot of media companies, including the San Diego Union Tribune and now a controversial website uh, to some degree, outkick.com. Uh, he's worked for SiriusXM and he's started his own website. He's done a lot of different things. I know Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport like him uh, and respect him. I'm not saying he's you know perfect or anything like that, but he uh, brought my attention to this, something that he wrote on Friday morning. And he said this, that, and, and I hope I'm saying this right, squamous cell carcinoma, or better known as SCC, which is located in a lymph node, which is what the statement said from the Washington football team, squamous cell carcinoma, or SEC, located in a lymph node. Dr. Chow said this is a very significant and worrisome declaration from the team. He says squamous cells are the outer layer of our skin. Uh, And in parentheses, it says epidermis. And the statement means the cancer has spread as there are no naturally occurring squamous cells in our lymph nodes. He says this is considered at least stage three out of the four stages of cancer. That's pretty scary right there. He goes on. And again, this is on Outkick.com. Dr. David Chow, who we hope to have on early in the week, next week, saying, quote, This cancer is in an early stage and is considered very treatable and curable. Uh, gives great hope, he said, um, which was the, the statement, right? He says, typically stage one and stage two of this type of skin cancer are slow growing and have over a 90% cure rate. He says, though, with the lymph node being involved, again, this means at least stage three cancer. And he says, and he talks about how if only one lymph node is affected and there's been no spread of the tumor to distant organs, Um, If that's the case, then that would mean stage four and a potentially worse outcome. Uh, I hope I'm explaining this right. So basically what, what Dr. David Chow is saying is that based on the medical definition, that because it has um, been located in a lymph node, that it is stage three. And stage one and two, which is what we kind of initially heard and thought, was a 90% cure rate. And the cure rate, cure rate might, might be a lot lower than 90% now if it is indeed at least stage three. So again, I don't want to scare anybody. I'm certainly not a doctor or expert. And we have to point out Dr. David Chow obviously did not examine Ron Rivera. But he is a medical professional. He is a medical doctor, right? And 
you at least take his understanding of medical terms and what they mean, and maybe he's taking it too literally, but what they mean, and in this case, what he's saying, what this means, the way the team said it in their official statement is that it means Ron Rivera has at least stage three cancer because of the spread to at least one lymph node. That's very concerning. All right, when we return, we will finish up the Locked On Washington football team podcast with Thomas Davis, who played last year uh, in San Diego, or actually with the L.A. Chargers, I should say, uh, and is now back with Ron Rivera after playing him, uh, playing for, with him for his entire career um, in Carolina. All right, that's coming up next. Thomas Davis right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. All right, guys, it is Chris Russell with you for our friends at Built Bar. That's right. Had a mint brownie Built Bar on my way to Washington football team practice on Thursday. Had another one on my way home because they're so good. I was able to keep them in my bag so they didn't melt. And the reason why they would melt is because they're covered in chocolate. 100% pure chocolate, but I was lucky. I kept mine nice and fresh. And I had, again, two on Thursday. Now, you can have as many as you want because they have even better flavors than they used to. Caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, cookies and cream. Mm. If you like carrot cake, they have that too. 12 original flavors, including peanut butter. Again, the mint brownie that I was just telling you about. One of my other favorites, peanut butter brownie. Go and get your Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. They are, again, covered 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, low in sugar, low in carbs, high protein, high fiber. It's great for any kind of keto diet. Uh, Again, you want to get yourself a Built Bar. They taste great. Take it from me. They are awesome. If you're looking to save calories and you're looking to have that chocolate fix, you are not going to be disappointed by a Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and get $10 off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, $10 off your next order with the promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com. All right, it is Chris Russell with you. We're going to get you a portion of Thomas Davis, the Washington veteran linebacker, reunited, and it feels so good, with Ron Rivera right here on the Lockdown Washington football team podcast. Thomas, Nikki Jabala with the Washington Post. Um, what has it been like for you stepping into a new organization um, and working with just a lot of new guys um, in the linebackers room? You know, it's been fun. You know, it's been a great opportunity for us to come together as a group and just really get to know one another's personality and just see how we can fit within the scheme of this defense and just go out and compete hard. What were some of the things that led you to this opportunity? Obviously, you and Ron go back. Was that the primary factor in you coming here? You know, that's one of the biggest factors. You know, you have, you have some other teams that are interested, and you just try to weigh your options. And, you know, being able to come back on the East Coast and being able to reconnect with Coach Rivera, Coach Russ, and, you know, all of the other guys that I know on this staff, you know, it definitely was something that I wanted to be a part of and wanted to be a part of, you know, a group that came here and just really changed the culture of, of what's been going on in Washington. What, what was it you were told about that challenge and, and what you guys are, are up against here in, in creating that culture? 
you know, whenever everything is new, you know, you have a, a core group of guys that have been here. They've been within one system for a long time. You know, you're going to always face challenges trying to get guys to buy in. Um, but that's one thing Coach Rivera has really been good at, you know, all the different levels that he's been on and the different teams he's gotten guys to buy in. And I don't see it being any different here. You know, I'm just here to help that process in any way that I can. I am curious. I want to ask you about Ruben Foster. What have been some of your early impressions of him? You know, Ruben is a guy, he's a physical specimen. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, like, you have some people that are just born to play a position. When you look at Ruben, he's one of those guys. Um, I feel like he was born to play the linebacker spot. And uh, just seeing him make progress each and every day, man, has, has truly been special. You know, as a guy that has his own rehab story, to see Ruben being able to do the things that he's doing day in and day out, um, I'm extremely impressed and I'm excited for him. You were obviously there when Ron was building the culture in Carolina. How different is the approach he's taking here? Is everything the same? Is, you know, what are the, what are the differences maybe between then and now? You know, you can't, you can't approach every situation the same. You know, obviously, you know, that was Carolina. Um, we're in Washington right here now. And um, each, each step, each phase has its different challenges. And um, Coach Rivera is a guy, he knows how to attack those challenges. Um, he understands, you know, that this is a much different dynamic in the world that we're in right now. When you're dealing with COVID, you have to worry about, you know, making sure guys are doing what they're supposed to do when it comes to COVID while also being able to establish the culture and the things that, that he likes to do from a coaching standpoint, um, defensively, offensively, and on special teams. So, you know, it just is right now more so than ever, it takes veteran leaders to, to step up and help, you know, that process along the way. And I feel like, you know, when you look across the board, across this team, like we have a, a core group of guys that are, are capable of helping coach get that done. And, you know, I just want to be one of those guys. Does he lean on the veteran guys more than he did then or the same or? Um, he, he's always been a coach that, that listened. You know, he, he listened to voices. He listened to veteran guys. Um, being a guy that played the game, he understands, you know, what players are going through from different stages of, of the game and um, throughout the process of the season. So he understands and he gets it. So he listens to his players. And, um, you know, so far I've, I've seen him do that as well here. With regards to the linebacking core, there's definitely a lot of, uh, questions with get young guys. We, we're seeing if they improve. New guys have come in. One of the new guys is Kevin Pear Lewis. Just curious, your early thoughts on, on him. He's somebody that Jack Del Rio told us to keep an eye out on two weeks ago. So just curious what your thoughts are. Man, he's extremely explosive. He's fast. He's physical. Um, he has all of the qualities, all of the tools. He's a guy that I, I can see in this defense making a ton of plays. And I'm excited to see KPL work, man. Um, he, he's extremely humble. He's a guy that comes in every day. Um, does his job, is not afraid to ask questions, and he's going to be a great piece for this defense. Uh, Steve Russ, when he was talking to us, he said that you were the best leader he's been around since uh, Steve Atwater, even better. Just where do you kind of develop your leadership style? How, how do you go about leading? And um, is there anyone you kind of credit for teaching you how to lead? You know, you know, I was fortunate enough when I got to, to the Carolina Panthers when I was drafted, you know, I, have, I had a ton of veteran leadership around me. You know, I just kind of watched how those guys maneuver, how they um, carried themselves. And, you know, I just, as the years go on, you just learn how you want to lead. You know, I don't want to be one of those people that's always coming in, just talking to people and telling them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that when I'm not willing to do those things on my own. So, it, you know, you take an approach of leading by example, 
you know, not being afraid to step up and talk and, and, and speak when something needs to be said or just going out and just doing your job day in and day out. I think guys tend to follow people that, that are consistent in this league or in this game. And that's something that I've tried to be for a long time, try to remain consistent in my approach. And then you mentioned Ruben Foster and kind of your own history going with uh, through the knee injuries. Just have you given him any advice or has he sought, has he reached out to you asking for rehab stuff? Like, you know, I try, I try to talk to Rube as much as I possibly can, man, but he's, he's done a tremendous job. Um, RV and the staff, they're doing a great job with him. And, you know, Ruben, he's excited, man. He, he's energetic. He's up tempo and he's always just, just ready to get back out on the field as much as he possibly can when he has that opportunity. So I'm, I was happy to hear him, um, being taken off of pup and given that opportunity. And now he's just out working hard. And, you know, we're just trying to con- constantly encourage him to continue to fight, continue to work, and just let the chips fall where they may at the end of the day. What do you think makes him good for this particular situation? And are there any reflections to what you may have seen as his toughest, you know, individual challenge in Carolina that may pre- help prepare him for this? Um, I, th- I think when you look at Coach Vera and – his coaching style is one of the things that really stands out to me. Um, he's not a coach that sits back and, and point fingers at his, at his players when things don't go well. You know, he takes full responsibility. And he encouraged the players to do the same thing, you know, whenever things go wrong. or And that's kind of who he is. And when you look at from coming over and taking over this situation and everything that has gone on within this organization, I feel like he's kind of went through something similar in Carolina when we – um, had this situation um, with our owner in Carolina, you know, he had to be step up and be the face of that and, and, and not shy away from it. And that's something that I've seen him do in this situation. And it's just the kind of leader Coach Rivera is. And he's going to always encourage his players to do the right things at all times. And um, he stands behind anything that he's tell you. So I, I, you can respect a guy like that. Um, one other thing, when, um, when they cut Darius guys a few days ago, how did that, Resonate. And I know you d- didn't play with Darius and um, have that kind of relationship, but did that send any kind of message in terms of how things are going to be run or how proactive they're going to be? I think it, it sends a message, you know, not only within this organization and this team, but across the league and um, uh, how things are going to be done and how things should be done. And, you know, as players, we got to take responsibilities for our actions. We got to understand situations that we can get involved in and that we shouldn't be involved in ever. And that's one of the things that you should take from a situation like that, you know. And um, it's kind of hard to speak on, on, on Geist's situation because I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't there and I don't, I don't really know him all that well personally. But um, I just hope that, you know, whatever happens in that situation, that, that everybody that was involved learned from it. Mm-hmm. And one, one last thing, did you have any particular concerns about the pandemic and playing? Did you weigh whether or not you would opt out? You know, there, there was a lot of thought that, that, that kind of went into this whole pandemic thing. But I, when you look at the way that the NFL and the NFLPA are handling things and, and making sure that guys are safe um, with the stuff that we have to do on a daily basis, you know, you, you become a lot more comfortable as a player. And for me, you know, with this potentially being the end of the road for me it was it was never a, a decision or a chance to opt out for me curious obviously you have strong familiarity with Ron and and coach Ross and most of the staff but Jack Del Rio uh, I'm not aware of any kind of previous relationship that I'm remembering how would you say that's 
that uh, communication, that relationship so far is developing? And also, where do you where do you feel like you fit ideally best in this defense? You know, I, I think um, you know just being around Coach Dario, getting to know him. You know, he's a he has a fiery personality. He's a guy that um, is all about you know coming together, continuity on defense, and and guys doing their jobs um, day in and day out, you know, just developing that consistency. And when you have a coach like that, you know, as a player, you get excited about playing for him because he's excited about the game and he's excited about, you know, the things that we're going to be doing as a football team. And for me, you know, it's just all about trying to figure out where I can help best, you know, wherever um, the coaches ask me to be, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. And, you know, that's my focus right now. It's, It's never been about, you know, Thomas Davis and, coming in and, and, and being the man. You know, I just want to come in and help this defense succeed as much as possible. And wherever um, they ask me to do that at, that's what I'm going to do. All right, once again, that is a portion of the time that Thomas Davis spent with us earlier this week. Now, players did not know at that point, uh, so therefore that's why it wasn't addressed. Uh, but we wanted to bring that to you because Thomas Davis is a very, very smart and learned dude. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we get that. We will have a finishing word next on who is plan B in case Ron Rivera can't coach for a day, a week, or some length of time. You'll know this guy. Uh, that's coming up next right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we close up shop here and plan B as the uh, Washington football team and and Adam Schefter kind of um, mentioned on Thursday night and reported and it's Jack Del Rio. Uh, I had heard that on late Thursday night from a source and mentioned that a couple of times. Um, You know, then Ian Rappaport joined. Listen, it wasn't. It wasn't like this was a big surprise. I'm not trying to like, um, you know, say, I'm just saying I, I reported it first uh, and didn't get any of the credit. Um, but Jack Del Rio is going to be the plan B. He'll be the interim head coach when Ron Rivera obviously cannot because he's the only head coach or he's the only coach on the staff with head coaching experience. Almost uh, 200 games, eh, about 190 games of NFL head coaching experience. So it'll be... Jack Del Rio. We're certainly hoping for the best, certainly hoping that Ron Rivera is okay and he's able to do what he loves to do and what he wants to do. Uh, We're thinking about you, Ron, uh, and your family uh, and hoping for, again, the very best. Uh, That's going to do it for us right here on the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Have a good rest of the weekend. Back next week. Adios. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 